0: Disclaimer. The College of Lore is an entertainment thought experiment channel, blurring the lines between imagination and reality through the lens of Dungeons & Dragons. You should not attempt anything you see in this video series. If you'd like to practice and test your survival skills, you should do so with several safety precautions in place, such that you can remove yourself from the potential survival situation. Nature is unforgiving and indifferent to your struggles. I had to find that out the hard way. On this trip to the wilderness, I thought I was prepared. I planned on spending two days on the 14.2 mile out and back hike. I planned on parking at the high trailhead, hiking down with my three-day kit, camping for three days while exploring the trail. There were several things that I was not prepared for. I would say that I rolled a 15 on this DC20 survival check. I succeeded the rule, but at a severe penalty to myself. Before we get into what I failed on and how I could have done better, let's go over the four basics of survival and how they related to my trip. Water. You won't last three days without water. We've all heard that. But how true is it? Well, for one thing, yes, in a laboratory environment for the average human, this is true. 72 hours without water will kill you. However, depending on your age, physical health, local climate, and how much water you've recently consumed all factor into how long you can go without water. Another giant factor is how much energy you're currently expending, and how much water is leaving your body during that time. For me, while I was hiking, I was consuming about 1 liter of water every half day. I had packed out a gallon of water with me, which is a little less than 4 liters of water. Basically, I went through 2 liters of water every day, meaning I had packed out less water than I needed to survive for the three days. This made me severely unprepared for the trip. During this time that I was planning for my hike, I heard a news release about a dog that had died at Zion National Park a month ago. The park officials had stated that the water was contaminated with cyanobacteria, which produces a cytotoxin from their waste. If consumed, this toxin acts as an agent, which poisons your nervous system. According to the press release, the dog had a seizure and died painfully. I had no idea about the water toxicity of the confluence of Rattlesnake Creek, Crawl Creek, and Ashdown Creek, so even with my water filter and iodine tablets, I didn't want to chance it. It would have taken 30 minutes to kill me if the water was infested, but three days to die of dehydration. I made the decision to cut my trip short and head back during the middle of the second day in. Before we get into the effects of my poor knowledge survival skill check, let's move to the second topic of survival, shelter. Shelter. To have shelter is quite important. Ideally, summertime camping is just you, a bonfire, some friends, and camping out under the stars with a sleeping bag and yourself covered in bug spray. Camping in the summer on top of a mountain at 8,000 feet in elevation on an overcast day is quite different. You can see some of the clouds rolling in at the beginning of my hike. This was just before the heat wave that struck towards the end of the month in June. The temperature went from about mid-70s, which is 20C, during the day, all the way down to low 40s, which is 4 to 7C. My sleeping bag is rather light and only rated for the mid-50s, only rated for about 10 to 12C. So, why not start a fire? Well, I was in the middle of the wilderness during one of the driest years on record with a red flag, meaning no open fire warning. So a fire was out of the question. I knew this going in, and I checked the weather beforehand and packed some thermally resistant clothing. It was still bitterly cold at night. I woke up several times shivering. The good part was that it made my remaining ice water cold for the first half of the day. Even with my thermals and sleeping bag, even with inflating the sleeping pad to keep the earth from sapping my warmth, it was still freezing cold. I flail around in my sleep a bit so my arms kept coming out of the sleeping bag and turning into icicles. I had gloves on and everything, but it was still cold. Eventually, I woke up around 6. I wasn't sure it was going to rain or not based on the clouds, so I tossed the tarp over the tent before I slept. I actually woke up thinking it was raining because I was sleeping near the creek. My one regret was not being able to see the stars, but I'll probably be able to go back out again before i leave based on how uncomfortable it was to sleep in the cold even with the gloves and everything a thermal a tent i knew i shouldn't chance it another night now it would be a pretty awesome time to go because we're in a heat wave but as i'm recording this it's raining so again you have to take the good with the bad if i time it right i could do all my hiking before noon and camp out by the stream filter all the water i need it shouldn't get below 70 now but around 2 p.m the temperature in the valley had been spiking up to 110, which is 43 celsius, but more on that in next week's videos. I still haven't told you about the last two cornerstones of survival. Food. Food was such a big part of my trip. I found myself unable to hike after a few miles, being completely tapped out of all energy on my way back. I dug into my pack and pulled out a few emergency bars. I went for these due to the high sugar and fat content for easily available calories. Each bar had 400 calories of energy, and I needed every bit. Hiking on the way back was all uphill. 3,000 feet and 4 miles. Grade is equal to rise over run times 100 for percentage. In other words, the elevation gain divided by the horizontal distance during the entire trip multiplied by 100 gives you an elevation gain. During the half mile trip of 4 miles, the elevation gain was over half of a mile. The horizontal distance was 4 miles. That's around a 14% grade slope. It's pretty dramatic. If you average the hill grade, you'll get 7.43 over the entire trail, but really it was quite difficult during the first and last three miles. To put that grade into perspective, if you're in a mid-size hybrid car and you're flooring it nonstop, you're doing about 45 miles an hour at best going uphill. When I got to the switchbacks, I was already tired. I'd planned everything pretty poorly at this point. The first day, I got out around 2 p.m. during the hottest part of the day. I hiked three or four miles down halfway through the first part of the seven mile out trip. I got to my campsite exhausted, with night nearing, and had no idea if there was another campsite anywhere ahead, or just another sheer cliff face ahead. The eight switchbacks had me going from 8,700 feet all the way down to 8,000 feet. Eight switchbacks... 700 feet was very difficult. The next day I hiked out all the way to the end of the trail. I lost the trail and I didn't see out. I didn't get to see a slot canyon at the end, but I did get to see the river for a good mile. Afternoon, I spun around and walked all the way back to my original campsite. The switchbacks were before me and I was basically out of water. I only had a liter left and 3.5 miles to go, all uphill. It was at this point where I was digging into my pack for something to eat about every hour. I took 45 minutes of walking and 15 minute breaks until I left the trail Once I had gotten back to my campsite, the eight switchbacks up was pretty insane. It was under a quarter mile of length and up 700 feet. At that point, I had never really hiked over four miles on a single day on relatively flat ground. I never really did the math on any other trails. The most difficult one besides this one was probably the snowy mountain in Marquette, Michigan. Back to my main point, food. Food was that source of energy. It's a resource. It's a power. Calories are a form of energy. Food. Food is a source of energy. It's a resource. It's not a power. As a mechanical engineer, I know that energy is a force multiplied by a distance, and power is a source of energy, like a BTU or a calorie, per minute. So since calories are a form of energy, like the gas that burns in your gas tank, how many calories was I burning per mile? If you check out caloriesburnedhq.com, at my weight and my backpack weight, In the 40 minutes that it took me to hike up a half a mile, over a minimum grade of 10%, I'm burning at minimum 600 calories. With a grade of 7%, that's burning 500 calories every 40 minutes. The switchbacks were 14%, that means I was burning 1,000 calories every 40 minutes, which doesn't sound quite right, but it's pretty close to that. It was incredibly taxing. I probably lost about 5 pounds in water weight and food weight by the end of the ordeal. What really saved me, though, is the last nugget and core aspect of D&D and real-life survival. Protection. Now, protection can come in many forms. I had packed out a weapon with me in case of a mountain lion or a bear attack, or even the trail's namesake, rattlesnakes. But I didn't need that at all. What I really needed was the other form of protection, the true form. And that's really the grace and charity of others had it not been for the two lovely people that I saw on the switchbacks, as I was leaning heavily on my walking stick, cursing the log in front of me that I couldn't jump over. I heaved myself over it and collapsed on the narrow trail, just inches away from the sheer cliff edge. These two people stopped me and asked if I was okay. I stammered out a yes, but they wouldn't take that for an answer. They stopped, they gave me all of their water. It was about another liter, and that liter I ended up finishing in a few hours later. They really saved me. I was too afraid of the water in the creek, but they were local and they knew it was a safe, clean source. Thinking back, that river was running fast and it was before anyone could have stepped in it, so it was probably safe. I should have filled up on it just in case and filtered it and purified it, carried the water with me, but I was so exhausted I couldn't take any more weight. They told me to hike back down and fill up, but stubbornly I said no. I knew I wouldn't be able to make it back up and out if I went back down and retraced my steps down the five switchbacks at that point. I could have just chilled at the main campsite, but the fear of the cold and lack of food and just the exhaustion that I had put myself through, I I couldn't really take it anymore. I had already hiked up eight miles that day, which was basically my max even now, after two weeks of continually pushing myself to get stronger. Foolishly, I pressed on as not to spend another night sleeping freezing on the side of a mountain. If I didn't have their water, I definitely wouldn't have made it. I didn't see another hiker after they passed me by. You really learn a lot about life during times like this. Sure, I learned that I had an unshakable will, stronger than my body, just to keep me walking forward another five miles to leave the trail. But really, it was unlikely that of all the people that I saw, only they stopped me. I had passed a few other people before then, and I told them I was fine, they kept me at my word, and passed me by. I was not fine. Far from it. I mean, these people looked into my eyes, they rolled an inside check, and saw that I was about to flop over. You can't fake that. You can't write it into a book or a story. You can't see it in the movie theater. I hadn't taken any allergy pills for about a week, and the pollen had completely shut my nose off. I couldn't get a full breath from my weighted backpack, and lack of oxygen that high up. I'm still a Florida boy and used to sea level. At this point I was 9,000 feet, which is 2,700 meters. My lips were cracked, drier than they'd ever been, and my tongue was like a used sponge that you forgot under the sink for a year. I was starving, but bloated, not used to consuming basically a full meal every hour just to keep pressing on. I couldn't even put one foot in front of the other thinking back on it. I really only shuffled one half foot in front of the other. My shoes and socks, which were quick drying and water resistant, were great, but I had just ran through a river a few miles before. I didn't stop and take my shoes and socks off to dry them out. I mean, I didn't know how bad they were until I made it back. After I reached the end of the switchbacks, it was a bit easier. I was exhausted, but kept shuffling on. Each half mile took me an hour to cross. I reached the end of the trail at 10 p.m., an hour after the sunset. My legs were shot. I had another gallon of water in the car, but I couldn't even drink it, I was so dehydrated. I got home and checked my feet. My shoes and socks were still wet from the river 12 hours ago, and I had been shuffling on wet feet the entire time. They've recovered at this point, but the next day they were bright red, inflamed, and painful. As soon as I saw them, the whole bottoms of my foot were just completely white and soaked with water. Luckily, it was just a severe friction burn, and after three days of putting antibiotic cream and pain relief cream, the swelling and redness went down. Two weeks after, the calluses and dead skin began to come away painlessly as the epidermis shed. Immediately after I woke up the first day I got back, I shuffled to the front desk, each step burning in pain, and asked if there was a doctor anywhere on the mountain. There was not, and in the nearest city, the doctor's offices were closed, The only thing open was an emergency room an hour away. Instead of doing that, I went 30 minutes away and got a case of beer and a cheeseburger. (laughs) It was so hard to eat and drink. I ended up drinking a gallon of water that day, and it took eight and a half hours to get the burger down. I was in rough shape. I'm laughing about it now because I survived, but there's a very real possibility that I could have gotten seriously injured on the trail. I was completely alone and unprepared, but I learned a lot. The first thing I learned was the saying that it takes three days for you to die of dehydration is totally not true. If you're three days out and you run out of water, you're not going to cover the same distance had you been able to fully hydrate the entire time. So yes, water is important. As I'm reading this right now, as I'm recording the video, I learned that a fellow hiker died while trying to jog through the Grand Canyon and back up. It was 115 degrees that weekend where he was. I'm going to need double the water that I usually need. So a gallon a day just to maintain. All the signs and all the trails are true. Even more so than having a gallon of water a day is the availability of the water. Now I have a camel pack and I'm able to sip water as I go. I have traveled lighter and with more water. And right now I can hike seven miles a day. I really shouldn't push it. Um, seven miles in one go, I can do more miles now if I take a break in between. And if I'm going to hike out again with everything on the tent, the sleeping pad, I'm going to cut that weight and I'm going to increase the amount of water that I hike with. I'm never going to hike longer than seven miles in one shot. And I'm not going to hike during peak heat. The sun sets here around 9 PM and it doesn't start to cool off until five. I really wish I had a way out. I didn't have any outs planned, I didn't have any cell signal, I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have any other ways to leave than to hike back the same way that I came. Talking to the couple that rescued me, and I'm kicking myself that I didn't get their names, but thank you if you're out there, if you ever find this video, if you ever find this podcast, thank you guys for helping me. They said they parked at the bottom of the trail and got a hi- uh, got a ride, somehow up to the top and then hike down and were planning on driving out. In my delirious state, I can't really make sense of what I remember them saying at the time. There are two exit strategies other than the hiking the same way back, but both of them go off the trail into the woods for about two miles from what I can tell either to 15 or 16 miles off the trail. I'm not really sure. In the future i might be using one of those exit strategies or another way to leave the canyon Um, for future hikes i'm going to plan multiple strategies to get out the next thing was charging your devices i had two backup batteries and it didn't charge either the week before i left i tried to do it the day of but they both ended up dying on me and that was like a pound of extra dead weight that being said there are many things i didn't use there are many things i was glad that I didn't have to use but glad to have with me. My flashlight and all those extra tools, all the extra food. The tent and the sleeping pad were definitely the heaviest. I'll be keeping the sleeping pad in the car for car camping and bringing more water for sure anytime I go anywhere. The sleeping pad that I have is pretty heavy and as soon as I get more money I'd like to invest in a lighter one. You can always hit up my Patreon if you want to support me. I pushed myself harder than I ever have before and hiked over 14 miles in two days and 11 miles in a single day to leave the wilderness. I'm super proud of myself. I got back to my car at midnight, blistered and bruised over my entire body. It was an incredible, brutal, awesome, painful, visually stimulating, frightening, wonderful experience. If I had to change things again, I would simply camp out for a few days at the halfway point instead of trying to hike the entire thing up and back. I learned a lot and I want to continue to push myself and I have, I want to continue to push myself to do more things similar. It took a while to recover, but I'm excited to show you guys how I tackled Zion and the rest of South Utah's national parks. It's been an awesome learning experience. I've lost a ton of weight and none of my clothes fit anymore. I feel great about myself. I've started incorporating daily conditioning and physical fitness into my lifestyle, and I feel great. So a lot of mixed feelings about this, a lot of learned experiences, a lot of danger on this trip, but I hope that by listening to this, that you learn something from it, that you keep yourself safe out there, and that I do it so you don't have to. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you guys later at the College of Lore.